The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. If you would, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 23. And we're going to be in our last uh, last saying from the cross. And uh, this may have kind of be an unusual subject to tackle the, the week after Resurrection Sunday, but we've uh, been on this a uh, little series about seven sayings. This is the last saying, and as, as I said last week, uh, went ahead and stayed in order when probably this could have been our last uh, message because it's really uh, Jesus' last words uh, before the resurrection. Uh, but we're going to do that today, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 23, and we're going to be in verse 44. And this is what the Word says. Now, it was about the sixth hour... And darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining. Now think about that just a minute. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, I was thinking about uh, just the middle of the day, and just all of a sudden, like that, the sun's gone. It's not shining. A cloud didn't blow over. Uh, It didn't get a little grayer outside uh, coming home from work Friday. Uh, I left Suffer Springs, and I'm coming, and I saw that big old blue sky, if anybody saw that, about 3 or 4 o'clock, and, and boy, it just moved over about 4 or 5. It, uh, it turned blue outside, and, and couldn't see the sun, and uh, the satellite couldn't see the dish because <laughs> the TV went off, and, uh, uh, but it, was, it, it wasn't dark, but just like that, the sun stopped shining. For three hours. Now this will preach right here, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. That's the message of the cross, isn't it? When we read that, and we don't, we don't spend much time there today, but when that curtain was torn in two, no longer do we have to go through a priest. Uh, what Colton talked about, no longer do we have to sacrifice an animal. Uh, when that curtain was torn, that gave us access to God the Father immediately. So when we read that, that's what it's talking about. And one of these days, we'll talk more about that. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. Now that's our scripture this morning, but I want to go ahead and look at verse 47. And the centurion, seeing what had happened, listen to what he did. He praised God, and he said, surely this was the Son of God, or this was a righteous man. And when all the people who had gathered to witness this sight and see what had taken place, they beat their breast, and they went away. They recognized that Jesus Christ was who he claimed to be at that moment, And as we think about this subject today, we're going to talk about uh, not life and life everlasting. Maybe that would be a a great follow-up to last week and to the message of the resurrection. But uh, today we're going to consider where that life comes from. And uh, it comes from death and death on the cross. Uh, I've told you all this story before. There was a, a rich man in a certain community, and as he was there in that community... Uh, he passed away, and uh, he was a, a very wealthy man, and he had made arrangements at his, uh, at his funeral to, uh, to have uh, himself buried in his Cadillac. 
and his Cadillac that he had had the windshield ground to his prescription of his glasses where he could drive without having to wear glasses. And he, he said, this is how I want to be buried. And the, the people were gathered there at the cemetery and they had him there strapped in his Cadillac and his, uh, the Cadillac was rolled off into the grave. Uh, two old boys standing there. One of them said, man, that is really living right there. <laughs> well, that's really not living, is it? Because uh, that's dying. And, and here's the thing, the, the one certain thing about life is death. I mean, it's, uh, our human condition is, is, has a 100% death rate or a fatality rate. And, and unless Jesus returns first, we're all going to die. Now, the Bible says that Jesus is going to come and uh, there's going to be those that remain that are still alive. And, and I, I believe this, that Jesus could come any day. If you're, if you're looking at Scripture and you go over and you study Revelation and you say, well, here are some things that, that is as the, 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 the revelation or the revealing of Jesus Christ, we look at that and you say, well, these prophecies need to take place. All the prophecies are fulfilled for Jesus to return. The Bible says at an hour when you think not, the Son of Man returns. So I think, it, I think it's time, and I think we could be alive and remain when Jesus returns. But if we're not, we're going we're gonna to die at some point. Isn't that a cheerful subject today? I mean, the sun's shining, the south wind's blowing, it's getting warmer today. Uh, and, and here I am talking about death. And, and what I've titled my sermon this morning is Dying Well. And uh, I remember I watched a Mel Gibson movie one time. I can't think of the name of it right now. And uh, as he was facing death, he, uh, he said this, help me to die well. Uh, he was fixing to go uh, in front of some folks and he was supposed to declare his allegiance to this government and he had made his decision up that he wouldn't. And, and he said, I, I just hope that I can die well. And, and as we think about this and this subject, don't tune me out this morning and don't think, well, this is such a, a bad subject. I wish I'd have stayed home today. And, and uh, we look around, a lot of people did, I think, and, and that's kind of the norm. The, after Resurrection Sunday, we're usually down a little bit. But uh, I've been around death a lot. As being a pastor, you kinda, uh, you've, you've, you've been around that. Some of you have been around death quite a bit, and I, I've helped people prepare for death. I've, I've sat with folks as their loved ones had died, and uh, I've, I've talked to people who are missing loved ones. I've seen folks die in the hospital. I've seen folks die at home. Uh, uh, a lot of different families, and uh, and we're all going to experience that at some time. And, and yes, the truth is it's not fun. It's not, it's not something we, we look forward to, of course. It's not something that we would say, well, it's, it's just no big deal. Even if we're Christians and the person that is passing away is a Christian, that doesn't make it any easier during that moment. But I want us this morning, as we think about this, to really think about what Jesus has to say about death and dying well. And as we think about that, well, we're going to say this, we're all going to die. Yes, we're going to die. And does the Bible have anything to say about dying well? And I think we see this in Jesus Christ on the cross. I think he gives us an example there. Here's the setting. Jesus has been on a a Roman cross for six hours. For the last three hours, there's been total darkness over the over the earth and and all of a sudden just suddenly as darkness came the darkness is gone 
Uh, so it's dark for three hours. All of a sudden, it's light again to reveal Jesus is uh, simply moments away from death. We talked about this last week where Jesus said this, I thirst. And, and as he thirsted, the soldiers came. They gave him a drink. At that point, he shouted, it is finished. We covered that a little bit last week. And then Dr. Luke, you know that Luke was a doctor. He, he records in his scriptures the very last words that Jesus said, the very last words that Jesus spoke. And he says this with a loud voice, with a loud shout. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last. Uh, as we read a while ago, a soldier looking on, he, he committed, he, he made a comment, surely this was the Son of God. As Jesus breathed his last, and in his last words from the cross, I think Jesus shows us how to die well. I think he shows us how to be prepared. And, and, and I've kind of broken this statement down into three different parts this morning. And, and take note of these, and, and here's the good news. I have three points, but they're not very long. So we're going to get out of here pretty quick. So this, listen to what you have a chance to listen to. Here's the first thing that we can understand about dying well. And, and, and we find this in Jesus. Trust a relational God as the Father. Now, in the word Father, hours earlier, Jesus had used this, this statement already, Father. And, and here's what I want you to hear about Jesus' statement. From the cross, the first, the first time he referred to God as Father is when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And, and he says that later, he says this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In those two statements, he uses two different terms for Father. As I've said many times, in, uh, in translations, oftentimes in Scripture, we, the, the, the Greek or some of the words that the Bible were written in, we just have one English word, and that's Father. Uh, during this time, they had several words that represented Father, and we've talked about those in the past. So, so Jesus uh, talks to Father in, in a term that says, Father, as a forgiver, forgive them, for they know what, what they're doing. Then he talks in, in a more, uh, probably a more official term, a, a more uh, formal term, when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This last statement Jesus makes from the cross, when he says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, he, he's speaking to a father as the term that you've heard us use, Abba, Father. He, he uses that term of endearment. He uses that term that, that we would call, or the, the Aramaic term would be daddy. So, so basically what Jesus has said is, is he from the cross says, my God, why have you forsaken me? A more former term. And then as he says, it's finished. He basically says, it's finished and dad, I'm coming home. I, I'm, I'm committing myself to you. See, he understand that, that relational God the Father. He understood the relationship that he had with God the Father. Now, think about that. Some people struggle with the fact of calling God the Father or even the term Daddy or Dad. We use that term for, for our, our earthly fathers. And, and sometimes it's kind of hard for us to comprehend that, that we would call God our dad, or we would call him daddy. I mean, uh, I, I, I call my dad daddy. I mean, me and my sister both call him, call him daddy. And, and it, it's kind of, even when we pray, we, we a lot of times don't think about that term. And, and I think sometimes the ideal is because 
We, we certainly realize that dads aren't perfect. And maybe you grew up with a dad that you would say he was anything from perfect. And, and come to think about it, I wasn't perfect as a father. And, and if you'll come to think about it, you weren't perfect at a fa- as a father either. And if you don't have any children, know this, one of these days you're going to look back and, and if you have children, you're going to say, you know what, I goofed up a lot. Kids, you need to realize this. Your, your parents aren't perfect. They're just doing the best they can. So give them a little break and, and, uh, and, and mind them or, or they get a spanking if you lived at my house. But anyway, you know, so, so a lot of times I think we, we, we let a view of a, of daddy in heaven, father in heaven, we let our earthly fathers mar that view. And we, we get that, that ideal of, 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 you know, I, uh, dads and God the Father, and I have trouble comparing those two because of some of the examples we have on earth. But, but if you would, I want you to, to imagine every good thought that you'd have of a father. Someone who is, who is a provider, who is a protector, someone who is, who is tough yet he's caring, someone who, who loves you unconditionally. I mean, all the good characteristics you could think of in a father. And, and as you think about those things, imagine all of those things are wrapped up in God the Father, in, in our Heavenly Father. That's who, that's who God the Father is, and that's the kind of relationship He wants to have with us. He doesn't want to be a distant Father. He doesn't want us to look at Him and think of Him as some kind of judge sitting on a throne, or He doesn't want us to look at Him and think of Him as some kind of Santa Claus figure that we can say, hey God, I would like to have this, so I want to pray for it. Would you bless me with these things? He wants us to look at Him and, and have that term that His own flesh, His own Son used that, that would say, Say, Dad, here I am, and I have this relationship with you. So as we think about that dying well, I think that, that having that trusting relationship with God the Father and really understanding who God the Father is, I think that's helped us in those times of dying and dying well. Here's the second thing. We need to know where we're headed. Think about what Jesus says. He says, Father, where was he headed? He said, into your hands. I'm headed to you. I'm headed to your hands. Now, I'm kind of a, uh, I don't know if it's weird or not. I, I kind of have something about hands. Do y'all, do y'all have anything about hands? You know, I, I remember one Wednesday night years ago, uh, I, I was talking about hands, and, and I said, put your hands out on the table. And, and Geneva Chandler said, I will not. She said, I got the ugliest hands, you know, and she went to cover them up and, and, uh, she said, they're all naughty and, and, you know, and I said, your hands are not ugly. Oh, yes, they are. And I said, no, they're not. And, and, uh, they were from years of work. Y'all look at your hands. I mean, uh, just look at them and, and, and maybe look at your dad's hands or look at your wife's hands or look at your husband's hands. And, and, you know, there's something about hands, aren't they? There's that song that, that daddy's hands, you know, they weren't always kind and they were hardy still sometimes and they were loving sometimes. When I, I, I did my, my son's wedding and I, I used those hands as a, as a example of a wedding, a husband's hands, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna hug and they're gonna protect and they're gonna provide and, and those hands do all of these things. And, and Jesus Christ, He knew where He was headed. He was headed to His Father's hands. And He placed His life, His future, He placed everything into His Father's hands. 
This this pastor uh, Richard uh, Ray Pritchard, I don't know him, but he I found this comparison he makes between the Father's hands and all of those humans' hands that had whipped Jesus, those human hands that had plucked out his beard and pushed a crown of thorns on his head, that had pounded stakes into his hands and into his feet, who had lifted him up on the cross, those hands who had gambled for his clothing and and cupped their mouth and shout shouts insults at the cross and. He Human hands that had pointed at him with false accusations and, and human hands that had stirred the crowd into a frenzied mob and all of those hands that were held against him. But now he could look at his father's hands, his father's hands who cared for him, his father's hands who reached out for him, his father's hands that was welcoming home Jesus Christ, and he was returning to his father, and he was coming home. And think about what Jesus knew. He had been on this earth. He had gone through our sins. He had gone through death. He had defeated Satan. And now he was saying, it's time to exit. It's time to return to the Father. It's time to come back into those loving hands. So Jesus knew. He knew his his role on earth. He knew his position in heaven, and he knew he was headed home to the Father's hands. So so do we know that Father personally and know exactly where we're headed? Jesus Christ shows us in, in as he died, and he died well upon the cross. He knew he was headed to his father and to his father's hands. Here's the last thing, the third, the third point here is he finished well. He finished well. He said, I, I commit my spirit. Jesus died. He, he completed all he had came to do. Think about that, folks, for just a minute. His mission was over. When he said it's finished, he said, I, I've done the job I came to do. God sent him to earth. He said, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. I have a mission for you. And Jesus says, you know what? My mission is completed. There was no bitterness. There was no unforgiveness. Boy, that's tough, isn't it? Think about the folks that that Jesus is hanging from a cross and he's looking down upon people that had plucked his beard, that had whipped him, that had said, if you're really God, take yourself off the cross. If you're really who you say you are, call down these angels and let them come rescue you. Jesus died with no unforgiveness. He died with that love in his heart to say, you know what, Father, they don't even know what they're saying. They don't understand yet. They, 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 they haven't been enlightened yet. And, and Father, forgive them. And, and I have completed my job. I came. You gave me something to do. I have no regrets. I have nothing that, that I look back on and say, you know what, I have some unfinished business. He said, I, I've, I'm completed and I've finished this job and now I'm committing myself to you. You know, for us to die well, I think we need to think sometimes, do we have some unfinished business? Do we have something we say, you know what, I I really need to make that phone call. I really need to send that card. I I really need to, to take care of this business. I know God has saved me for a purpose. He has a reason for me. And, and one of these days when I graduate, one of these days when my kids get grown and gone, one of these days when I retire, one of these days when I have a little more time, I'm gonna, I'm gonna complete that task. But Christ came and he stayed on task and he said, you know what, I have a purpose and I have a plan and and God, through your direction, I'm going to fulfill that. So when it came to the end of his life, he said, you know what, I'm ready. It's finished. My job is done and, and I'm ready to commit myself to you. Here's the thing I think we forget sometimes. You know, nobody put Jesus on the cross. Nobody forced him on the cross. Nobody, nobody did anything that was outside of God's will. 
Over in John 10, 17 and 18, the Bible says this, This reason my Father loves me is that I lay down. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. Look what he says here. No one takes it from me, but I lay my life down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Matthew twenty-seven fifty tells us that the moment of Jesus' death, he gave up his spirit. He wasn't forced to do so. Nobody, excuse me, nobody took it from him. He said he, he gave it up. He gave up his spirit. Hebrews 9, 14 says he offered himself unblemished to God. What did he do? He offered up himself unblemished to God. And, and we think about dying, we think about dying well. It, it's not a pleasant subject. It's not something that we look forward to. It's, it's not something that we can say, you know what, I, I want to stick my head in the sand and forget all about it. It's something we're going to face. And, and we prepare for that through life. And Jesus Christ here is His last thing. He wanted us to understand that He had prepared for this moment. <coughs> he had completed the job that He came to do. To die in just six hours, that was unusual. I, I talked a little bit about this last week, and, and uh, I talked about all the prophecies that were fulfilled upon the cross, and, and how that number one was 17 zeros. If you write that down, you'll see that number. I don't know what that number is or how to say that number. That, that the chances that, that he could fulfill just eight of those prophecies... We talked about if we took those those uh, silver dollars and stacked them two foot deep all over the state of Texas and blindfolded someone and and marked one of them and said, "All right, you got one chance to fill it." That that's the chances that 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 someone would had of fulfilling those eight prophecies. And he he fulfilled hundreds of prophecies. And and here were the 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 norm was sometimes criminals would stay alive for days during crucifixion. They would be on the cross for several days, so the Roman soldiers would come and they would break these bones in their legs because that would help the process of dying. It would speed that process up. And they came to, to break Jesus' legs and those criminals' legs because the next day was the Sabbath day and they wanted, to, they wanted Him to be dead by that day. And when they came, He was already dead in just six hours. And, and the reason that happened was because it's prophesied none of his bones would be broken. And that just is another time that it was a, it was fulfilled prophecy. Everything was planned out by the Father. Nothing was left for chance. Jesus completed everything he came to do. He died well because he had been faithful in following what God had done. Here's the good news. Thankfully, that's not the end of the story. This morning, if you'd say, well, I, I should have stayed home. He talked about death all morning. I didn't want to hear that subject, and, and I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. This is not the end of the story. That's the beginning of the story, because if you think where we started, <coughs> where is life really at? Life begins after death. Somebody says, well, life begins after 40, or life begins after 50, or life begins after 60. No, really, life begins when we have an eternal life with God. Now, we live this life, and we have a good life, and we have fun, and we have things on this earth that we enjoy, and they have tough times. But, but you know what? The end of this life, the Bible says this, this life's just like, if you breathe like that yesterday evening, you blowed out some steam because it was cold. <coughs> and, and the Bible says that's kind of how our life is. If we live to be 60, 70, 80, 90, if we live to be 100, that's just a breath. 
But following that, there's all of eternity. And, and that's where life is. It's found in all of eternity. And when we look at Jesus, His friends come to, to find Him in the tomb. They came to, they came to address the body. And <coughs> as they came, the, the, those men there at the tomb that were, that were robed in white said, He's not here. He's gone. He, he's been resurrected just as He said He would. And through that, we understand that, hey, there's a land that's fairer than day. And one of these days, we're going to see that land if we've been prepared for that. And through that, we can face death and we can die well saying, you know what? This, this was just a breath. And, and when we take our last breath on this earth, you know what? Our next breath, as, as children of God, our next breath will be in heaven. There's not a place that we're going to be that we don't understand. There's not going to be a place of darkness and confusion, a place that, that we're lonely. It's simply going to be a short day, a short step. It's going to be the last breath on this earth and the next breath in heaven. And because of that, we can have confidence. And as we face that, we need to realize that that's what the resurrection's all about. That's what our hope is all about. That's what our faith is all about, that, that Christ has defeated death and He has victory. And through Christ, we have that victory. So I hope today as we leave this place, we'll understand that, that our, our victory is in the resurrection. And, and even though we're going to face death, and, and even though we have a, a life before us to live, and, and God has given us purpose, and He's given us a, a reason, and, and He's given us direction, that we can come to that point of our life someday of saying, you know what, it's finished. I have finished well, and, and I'm ready to go to the Father. And Father, I'm coming to You as my Heavenly Father, as my, as my Dad, and, and I'm prepared for that day. Listen to what Pritchett said again. He says, we think that we're going from this land to the land of the dying, but that's not so. We're going from this land, the land of the dying, to the land of the living, because for Christians, death is only temporary. You know, that's true. That's something that, that, that's really true. As, as Jesus says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He's fulfilling a prophecy over from Psalms 31, verse 5. I, I don't like to uh, close a lot of times with something that's kind of emotional, but this is kind of emotional when we think about our kids and we, we think about death. But this is where I want to close this morning. And uh, he, he tells this story as Peter Marshall. He's a chaplain of the Senate. He shared this story about a little boy named Kenneth. Uh, he was suffering a terminal illness, and one day he asked his mom, Mom, what's it like to die? Of course, she became teary-eyed, but then gave, uh, God gave her this insight, and she said, Kenneth, do you remember when you were a little boy? And, and you played hard all day, and when evening came, you'd be so tired that when you came in, you'd, you'd lie down on, on our bed, Mom and Dad's bed, and you'd fall asleep. And that wasn't your bed, that's not where you belong, but, but you would fall asleep there and you'd be there for just a little while. But, but the next morning, you were surprised because you'd wake up and you'd find yourself in your own bed. And you were there because someone you loved had, had come and taken care of you during the night while you were asleep. Your father had came and with big strong arms, he had, he had reached down and he had picked you up and he had carried you to your own room. And, and sweetheart, death will be like that. One night when you're very tired and very sleepy, you'll fall asleep. And the next morning, you'll wake up and you'll find yourself in another room. 
It'll be your own room where you belong because the Lord Jesus himself has came with his big arms and he has picked you up and he's carried you from this world to your heavenly home. He said the light on this little boy's face shone through and he understood. And and a few days later, he fell asleep just as his mother had said. That's, that's what it's like for the death of the believer. One day on this earth, we're going we're gonna to fall asleep. But you know what? We don't need to fear that. Because as Jesus said, he's going to come and he said, Hey, I'm going to be with you even until the end. And that one day when we fall asleep, we're going to be picked up and we're going to wake up in our dad's house, in our father's house, in a, in a place prepared for us as we've prepared for it here on earth. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, as we think about this subject, we realize that it's something that's real and it's something that's true. Even as unpopular as it is, Father, we know that that one day we're going to face that. We're going to face that that prospect of death. And Lord, I pray that that we would know that we have a a relational Father. Father, you desire to become our dad, our, our, our heavenly father that, that walks with us, that talks with us, that leads us, guides us, directs us. You, you give us a plan and a purpose in life. You help us meet those goals. You, you provide for our needs. Father, I pray that we would understand that. And Lord, as we understand that, I, I pray, Lord, that we would, we would work towards com- completing the task that you've given us. That, Father, when, when those last days or weeks or months or years are, are ahead of us, we, we don't have to look back and say, you know what, I wish I'd have done this, and I wish I'd have finished this, what I started, and I wish I'd have called or card, sent that card. Or, but, Father, we would go ahead and take care of it today because we know you have other things that you would like for us to do, Father. And, Lord, I pray that we would know it's not a burden to serve you, but it's a joy. And then, Father, I pray that we would, we would know that, that the day comes for us, Lord, that when we face that prospect of dying, Lord, that it's just going to be a, a short nap, and we're going to wake in Father's arms in a place prepared for us beyond our comprehension. Father, I pray that we wouldn't let Satan steal our minds of what heaven will be like, a one long worship service with somebody preaching all day. But, Father, we would understand that heaven will be like your creation. There will be adventures in heaven. There will be things that do. There will be discoveries. There will be uh, bodies that are new, that are fresh, that feel good, that have no aches, no pains, no sicknesses. Father, that we'll care for your land and your creation. Father, that we'll be in your presence. Our faith will be sad. And, Father, we'll be at home for eternity. I pray, Lord, that we'd be encouraged by those words. We'd be encouraged as we see your example of knowing that relationship you had with the Father, of knowing that you understood where you were going to the Father's hands, those loving hands. And Father, with the courage to say, Lord, it's finished. I've completed my task. I've completed the things you've wanted me to do. Lord, I pray today we'd find joy in that. I, pr- I pray today, Lord, we would leave this place and we would have a song in our heart knowing that there's just a short day, a short step when that time comes. But, Father, in the meantime, I pray we'd be about your business. We'd be about sending that encouraging word to others. Father, I pray this morning, if there'd be one here who can't say with confidence, you know, I've... 
I know today that, that I'm gonna, I've got a place prepared for me. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. I pray if there'd be anybody here today that would doubt that. I pray that they would settle that today. Through your spirit, you'll lead us. And I pray, Lord, if we feel the calling, the wooing of your spirit, that we'd settle that account in this place today. And Father, I pray this now in the name of Jesus.